Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Lauren Gabe here. It's November 29th and you're listening to Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns and this week it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, we're remembering Stephen Sondheim. For our conversation on all things sports, we're gonna talk about college football rivalry week. And for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, rainbow crash helmets in Qatar. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC member club Rogue Cornhole. First, a quick update on Team DC. On Wednesday, December 8th, Team DC is hosting a holiday party at Uproar from 6 to 8 p.m. There'll be food in a cash bar. We'll also be conducting a winter clothes drive, so bring your lightly used winter clothes to donate. And if you donate two items, you will get a complimentary rail drink or Bud Light courtesy of Uproar. Team DC board elections will be held at the annual meeting in January and nominations are being accepted now. Positions up for election include vice president, secretary, treasurer, board member for scholarship, board member for fundraising, board member for communications, and board member in charge of the night out series. If you'd like to nominate yourself or another person, or if you'd like more information about any of these positions, please email less at teamdc.org. Be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe to Under the Bleachers for all the latest news at the intersection of sports and Now here's Gabe with our first topic in this week's trip Under the Bleachers. First up, our queer topic. The world of musical theater lost an icon on Friday. Stephen Sondheim, world-renowned American composer and lyricist, died at the age of 91. Sondheim is best known for composing and writing the lyrics for A Funny Thing Happened to the Way to the Forum, Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, Sundays in the Park with George, Into the Woods, and for writing the lyrics to West Side Story and Gypsy. Sondheim's career earned him nine Tonys, an Oscar, eight Grammys, a Pulitzer Prize, a Laurence Olivier Award, and the 2015 Presidential Medal of Freedom awarded by President Obama. Sondheim wasn't necessarily known for composing catchy show tunes, but he wrote cerebral and striking lyrics and songs and gave a deeper dive into the characters he created. Take another listen to Send in the Clowns and listen to an intense ballad of regret and frustration. Sondheim was mentored by Oscar Hammerstein and continued to give back to the theater community by mentoring Broadway giants like Jonathan Larson and Lin-Manuel Miranda. He did not publicly come out as gay until later in life and he often spoke about what it was like. 
quote, I went through what everybody goes through in their first serious relationship, which most people do in their late teens or 20s, and which I didn't until I was 60. So it was difficult for me to learn, but it was also joyful. He survived by his husband, Jeffrey, and his half-brother, Walter. All right, Laura, so I'm pretty sure you're well aware with the news about what's going on in Broadway. What do you think about losing one of the greats? I mean, it's a huge bummer, obviously, but, you know, Steven Sondheim did everything that he needed to do. <laughs> you know, he lived 91 years. He was at the height of his profession. He fell in love. And I mean, I don't know. It seems like it's hard to be, uh, you know, that's the kind of life you want to live and look back on. So it was definitely a loss for the community. Um and definitely a real bummer to read, but, you know, also one of those things where it doesn't feel like a tragedy by any means. Yeah, I mean, everything that I've, I mean, I've been seeing people posting stuff on Facebook, social media, and every, almost every article that I've read is just uh, talking about, like, the joy that he brought to people, just, like, celebrating his life and talking about all the crazy and amazing stories and ideas and songs and everything that he did that, um, just kind of changed the face of American theater. Yeah, I mean, so many people, that struck me too, like so many different like people on Twitter had their own personal story about that time that they met Stephen Sondheim and he was super cool to them, you know? Like yeah. he was obviously just a genuinely great guy who really loved the musical theater community. And he went to shows at every size theater all over the country all the time and, um, and you know, made a point of approaching the people who were the creatives in the shows and giving them feedback and giving them positive reinforcement. So, I mean, what a stand-up guy. Yeah, I mean, one of the cool things that I saw was like his whole like mentoring aspect. Like, yeah, so you no, know, he was mentored by Oscar Hammerstein, which is, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein, great, amazing, wrote almost everything, almost every crazy musical you can think of. Um, and he still kept with that. He could have been like, no, I don't care. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big shot now. Um, but no, he wanted to foster the community and keep uh, American theater going. Yeah, for sure. He will definitely be missed. That is somebody who left his mark for sure, no doubt about it. There's a, um, a reimagined, I guess, movie version of West Side Story coming out um, pretty soon that finally actually stars a Puerto Rican actress, which <laughs> is pretty exciting the, for everybody. Real, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that i think will be pretty cool and you know his work is going to continue to leave to to live on you know um these these shows aren't going anywhere so i don't think we have to worry about that <laughs> yeah and hopefully everything's coming up roses uh, <laughs> look at but, you um, wow. yay it's a great song all right Dave, all what's right. going on in sports this week so I'm moving on to my sports topic. Last week was rivalry week in college football, and boy, were there some upsets. So first off, let's talk about Michigan, who beat Ohio State 42-27 to in Ann Arbor, ending a 10-year losing streak for the Wolverines. Aiden Hitchinson set a school record with three sacks, and senior running back Hassan Haskins ran for 169 yards. Michigan will take on Iowa next week in the Big Ten championship game and moved up to the number two spot. Number one, Georgia slaughtered Georgia Tech 45-0 and will take on Alabama next week. And number four, Alabama squeaked by a win against Auburn with four overtimes with a score of 24-22. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma 37-33 after a few mistakes 
at the beginning on the field, and Notre Dame beat Stanford 45-14 to in a pretty lackluster game. Championship week is next week, and the Vegas oddmakers are furiously trying to predict how the college football playoff committee will rank each team and, how, and who will make it for a chance to play in the college football playoff national championship in Annapolis next year. Also, I want to know, when are we bringing back the UT-Texas A&M rivalry game? <laughs> so, Laura, did he catch any of the games that happened? Did you see any of the mishaps, all the craziness that was going on in college football this weekend? Uh, you know, I actually did not uh, keep up with college football this week. I don't think any of those games were actually upsets, though, just for the record. Um, oh, the Ohio State one was. Well, if- <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. I mean, it, they, but I mean, they were both top five teams going into the game. But in any event, yes, congratulations to Michigan for finally getting that monkey off its back. Uh, <laughs> the Ohio State, like in a, in a freaking decade. So good for them. Uh I, you know, I've really not been watching a lot of college football this year, so I can't really make any intelligent comments about it, except that I assume Georgia is rolling on its way to um, at least be, you know, a top four team in the, in the playoff series. So they, and that, you know, they were like the preseason odd odds on favorite, like they've just been the whole year. So, okay. Uh, you know, the SEC usually has a pretty good football conference. What can you say? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I'm very interested. Uh, yeah, because I guess, like, we should be finding out um, who's playing the bowl game soon. Uh, the, the big news from I mean, back they have home to do their, is, uh, They have to play their conference championship games before they can do yeah. that. But it's just yeah, we'll find out away. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to know all that. And that's when all the fun games start getting played. And it'll be you know, the race to the finish of the year and then the uh, national championship right after New Year's. Yeah, if you had a bowl game, what would you name it? Like the Lysol Toilet Bowl or like the Kellogg Cereal Bowl? Oh, I see. So if I yeah, had a brand. Yeah, if you're a brand, <laughs> what would it be? Like, Can I just call it like the bowl? Like smoke in the bowl? Smoke in the bowl? Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored. Sponsored. Sure. <laughs> Sponsored by Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I'm actually, I love watching the bowl games and the playoff games. It's fun to watch those college players at the end of the season. But I mean, we'll you, every year I watch less and less football. And every time I see somebody hit their head, I just get a little bit more <laughs> worried about it. <laughs> no, we'll see. Because I think I, for, I should be paying attention. I think UT's changing their the only ut not university of tennessee university of texas is changing their conference next year i think i should know this so they're on the same conference with texas a&m so i think they're bringing back that game that game was huge in texas every thanksgiving i mean that was what you watched and then you've watched the cowboys play yeah well i so texas i believe is moving to the sec next year yep um so i'm not i'm not sure how that may or may not impact if they play um, Texas A&M in a bowl game, or I mean, in a in a rivalry week game. But uh, I mean, you're talking about like state representatives who wanted to make it a law that these two teams had to play. I mean, I'm all for it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> play more, more, uh, more rivalry games. I'm. I love a rivalry. I love a good rivalry. Let's make more of them. <laughs> Let's make more people have a rational distaste towards other universities. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, well, hooray for college football. Everybody get ready because the best of college football is about to get started and you're gonna you're not gonna want to miss those games, even if you haven't been watching football all year like me. <laughs> and with that, what is up at the intersection of sports and queer? All right, for this week at the intersection of sports and queer, Sir Lewis Hamilton, a champion Formula One race driver from the UK, won the inaugural Qatar Grand Prix last week. Hamilton, who was no stranger to the winner's podium, decided to use his fame and shine light on LGBTQ plus human rights uh, problems in Qatar. Hamilton wore a crash helmet with the inclusive rainbow flag and the words, we stand together. Currently, same-sex relations are illegal in Qatar and LGBTQ plus folks can ultimately face a death penalty, although no capital punishments have been reported. Quote, we're aware that there are issues in these places that we're going to, Hamilton said to, to the Guardian. But of course, Qatar seems to be deemed as one of the worst in the world. As sports goes to these places, they are duty bound to raise awareness for these issues. These places need scrutiny and equal rights is a serious issue. Hamilton added, if we're coming to these places, we need to be raising the profile of the situation. One person can only make a certain amount of small difference, but collectively, we can have a bigger impact. Do I wish that more sportsmen and women spoke out on these issues? Yes. It's down to whether you decide to educate yourself and hold the sport more accountable and make sure the sport is actually doing something when they go to these places. So we spoke previously about how LGBTQ plus sports fans are worried about traveling to Qatar for the World Cup in 2022. Hamilton plans to sport his rainbow crash helmet in Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia later next month. He also stated, I hope there are kids here and wherever who are watching and asking what the flag is if they don't know and why I'm wearing it. I hope it sparks a positive conversation and change. All right, Laura, so we usually talk about sports uh, stars who try to use their platform and use their sports highlights um, to bring more inclusivity and bring up issues uh, in the world. So did you hear about this? Uh, no. No. Is Formula, <laughs> is Formula One the one with the little weird cars that are short yeah, and skinny? Yeah, really, really, really yeah. fast and go around. Yeah, one, the one-seater, basically, yeah. Uh, all right, well, I mean, that's cool. Listen, I am not going to ever get excited about people driving in circles. Like, that's just not my cup of tea. But as always, I truly believe that everybody should use their platform to make statements. I also think Qatar is the worst of the worst, and people should probably just be fucking boycotting taking any sports there that are going to make money for that terrible place. Uh, well, but, that's what he was talking about. Like he, he was saying, you know, because this is the inaugural uh, Grand Prix. He's like, why are we coming to these countries where, you know, there's these serious issues that are going on? Yeah, but he went. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, put this on just this person, but I ultimately um, think that people may have to just start boycotting going to these events because we're just fueling the economy of a country that legitimately threatens to execute people just for being gay. I mean, it's amazing. Like when you think about that, if you, um, I mean, that's like some straight up, like fucking genocide stuff <laughs> like so uh 
you know, it's problematic on many levels, but I obviously fully support this guy. Good for him for wearing a rainbow flag. I mean, that's a risk, honestly. He's taking a risk. But I mean, I'm glad, obviously, that he's using his platform to do what he thinks is right. I think, you know, like him, I hope that somebody sees what he's doing and it starts a conversation and starts moving things into a different direction. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm pretty skeptical that seeing a rainbow flag is going to change um, the government of Qatar. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not supportive. I'm still not supportive of the World Cup being there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, hopefully this, I mean, it, it's probably maybe a start, but, uh, you know, these athletes can get together and start putting pressure on these, you know, huge bodies that govern these sports and say, hey, we need to take a look at where we're hosting these events and, you know, not just our, our fans, but also like, what if there's a gay formula one racer out there that if he travels to these countries and does his job and races, is he putting himself, you know, at risk of being executed? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Like nobody should um, have to, have to put be put in a position like that to do their job so it's problematic it's really troubling and i really think that anything that makes a change makes really drives change a lot of time is the financial stuff you know as long as they're going to continue to make money off of all these um events coming to car then they don't have any you know that's just one way to put pressure on them is say you know if if the world athletes refuse to go there for these events that's one way to put pressure or music stars refuse to go there and have concerts like justin bieber's constantly giving concerts all over the middle east and then pretends to be like the biggest like gay ally and it's like what are you doing you know (laughs) so i i I do i think it's it's uh it's tough but when you live a life of privilege like people who race cars for a living do these are the kind of things you should be thinking about no totally that's this week's under the bleachers roundup of things queer things sports and things at the intersection of sports and queer we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll share our interview with team dc member club rogue cornhole welcome back to the bleachers today we have sam kramer with rogue cornhole hey sam how you doing hey guys it's good to hear from you glad to be on the show yeah thanks for joining us So can you tell us a little bit about Rogue Cornhole? You know, who are you? What do you do? What is Rogue Cornhole? Sure. So Rogue Cornhole is an LGBTQ plus, but also straight friendly um, cornhole league in D.C. We play every Wednesday uh, at the Midlands Beer Gardens and we have a fall and spring season. Awesome. I feel like most people know what the game of cornhole is, but just in case, can you kind of describe how the game works? And also, how does you, how is your league structured? Are you, are you guys playing against each other um, in teams of two or, or what? Sure, I'm happy to talk to you about that. So cornhole is, is I guess, really, really at its heart, um, a drinking game, but it's also, but it's also a fun skill game as well. Uh, how it uh, how it works is that uh, you have two teams of, and in this case we use four players, but generally you have two two, um, and each player ha- basically does what the ten suggests: is they have a bean bag filled with corn, 
and there is a board on each side of the playing field, about 28 feet apart. And the object is to get your beanbag to land on the board uh, or in the hole. If you land on the board, you get a point. If you land in the hole, that's three points. Uh, you tally up the points by basically counting all the beanbags that have landed on the board or in the hole. So for example, if my team had gotten four bags on the, hole, on the board and the other teams only had two bags, you'd get two points. Uh, players play until you reach 21 points. You have to hit that exactly. If you go over 21, uh, you have to go back down to 15 and then make your way back up. So it does you know, incentivize being uh, strategic with uh, how you throw the bags. Yeah, that's a it's tough rule. I didn't so know have, about that. Yeah. So you can't get too drunk. Like you, you have to do math. Math is hard. Yeah, you kind of do have to do math. <laughs> yep. Yep. So there is math, although we do have nice little apps that keep track of the score after every round. But um, yeah, it definitely does. Sometimes for some people, it does help to have a couple of drinks. It kind of gets you in the zone and then you're ready to go. <laughs> awesome. Um, how many different teams are in the Rogue Cornhole League? Gosh, that's a that's a good question. I think the total amount is probably like 21 teams. We've got wow. three divisions. We've got three divisions and each team plays the other teams in the division. And then we all kind of sync up for the playoffs. Awesome. OK, and all like 20 teams play at Midlands on the same night. Yes, we are staggered in terms of time slots. So you can start from 630 and then I think the last slot is at nine. So a lot of folks will either come early and mingle and then play their game or play their game really early and then stay to mingle with their friends afterwards. All right, cool. So do you need to come up with a team or can you be an inexperienced player or just someone who needs something to do on a you know Wednesday night? Can anybody join? Yeah, so there is an option for free agents to join. Uh, we do have you know a bunch of teams that have been around for you know since the founding of the season, but we we definitely try to make room for new folks. So if if someone is kind of a free agent and wants to come in and participate, you know they're they're welcome to join, and we'll see if we can find a placement or we'll create a new team. Very cool. Um, tell me about some of the events or activities that Rogue Cornhole hosts or takes part in that don't involve playing cornhole. Sure. So we actually do we actually do a couple of Jello Shot fundraisers throughout the year, with the idea being that um, the winner of the tournament and the playoffs at the end of the season gets to donate that money to a charity of their choice, and it can be several thousand dollars. So we've had um, we've had folks donate to organizations such as Casa Ruby or P Flag or you know uh, organizations such as those that are that are very involved with the LGBTQ community um, to to make sure that we're, we're we're doing our part to give back to the community and and provide some support as well. Great. Do you guys make all those jello shots by yourself? We do. It's handmade. Uh, our commissioner Kevin <laughs> is uh, very proficient at making jello shots at this point. <laughs> all right. Very cool. When's your next jello shot fundraiser? Uh, should be at the end of the Oct end of October at Dirty Goose. Um, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but uh, we can. It's certainly going to be on our website and or Facebook page. Awesome. Cool. What's kind of like the demographic breakup of the league? Is it kind of mixed? Is it um, I would say it's primarily primarily gay men in between their upper twenties and lower forties. Um, we definitely have a good lesbian contingent, uh, which is always a, which always appreciated. Um, I do believe we have a couple trans players as well. Um, and, but I would say it's probably more skewed heavily towards the gay male demographic than anything else. You said you play at Midlands. <laughs> Where exactly is Midlands? Sure. So Midlands is on Georgia Avenue. Um, it's about, I want to say a third of a mile south from the Petra, Petworth Metro station. 
near it's near call your mother deli it's near st vincent's wine bar um so it's in a couple right right in that kind of general area i think parkview is the neighborhood very good um all right so we like to talk to everybody a little bit about inclusivity so um, Team DC has a mission that centers around inclusivity and promotion of sports participation by the LGBTQ plus community. Um, can you share any of your own personal thoughts or maybe um, on behalf of Rogue Cornhole, why inclusivity is important to you or to your organization? Sure. So, you know, I think we hear, we've heard this phrase a lot over the last several years, but representation matters. Um, and I think one of the things that Rogue Cornhole does really well, and I think this is a tribute to our commissioner, Kevin Comerford, is that he's really created an atmosphere where folks can have a lot of fun, but also be competitive. So it really is, it's, it's, a, it's a sport that can kind of, that can bring in people who aren't usually big sports folks in general, or, you know, or for someone who, someone who maybe thinks that like, you know, the flag football league or the kickball league might be too competitive or just too, you know, something, something that's not up their alley. So it's a different, it's a different version of fun. I mean, in the end, you're tossing a beanbag onto a board and you're having a couple of drinks with your friends. And I think, you know, that's something that I think almost anybody in this town can say, you know, this is, this is, this is something that can be more my speed and can be, and can be a lot of fun if I want, if I want to get in and join it. So, um, how long have you been with uh, Rogue Cornhole? I was been there since one of the, since uh, the beginning of the, um, the league a few years ago. Uh, my buddy Kevin was forming the league, and he was like, "I want to make a team. Do you want to be on the team?" And I was like, <laughs> "Sure." And sure. ever since then, it's been you know a match made in heaven. We won the whole thing season two, which was very exciting, and also uh, made us feel really good. You know, uh, Kevin was really really glad to get his name on that trophy. He's very competitive about <laughs> cornhole, so so I'm glad that we had that there, and you know we're, we've been having a lot of fun since. It's a really 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 good group. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, here we are, it's 2021. We have made great strides um, in civil rights and other areas. Why or is it still important to have LGBTQ plus focused sports organizations? Oh, that's a great question and, and one that I'm I'm really happy to answer here. And and I and, and I feel like the reasoning for the LGBTQ focused sports clubs and why we need those is in the same the same manner as why we think about why we still need gay bars or lesbian bars or just LGBTQ plus bars in general is that, you know, even with all the strides we've made, there's just still something to be said for really having that space where you can fully be yourself. Um, you know, cause even in a straight bar, you know, sometimes, you know, some folks may not feel quite comfortable being there, but when you have a gay bar, you can really be fully unabashedly yourself and you have a community that is understanding of, of who you, of a better understanding of who you are and what you're trying to do. And I think in the same vein, LGBTQ focused sports clubs do kind of replicate that atmosphere for a bit. So you can be your full unabashed authentic self, but yet still have a good time doing something that you want to do anyway, you know, and, and, and hopefully um, really kind of be part of the community. Yeah. I think the most important thing is the fact that, you know, sports can be intimidating but it really helps when you're in, you know, a sports league of, of more of your peers, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that all resonates with me. Um, but that made me think of something. Midlands is not a gay bar. Is that right? That's correct. So when you guys play at Midlands, um, how much of the bar is um, full of your league? How much is other people? And what, um, what has been your experience with Midlands? 
welcoming the LGBTQ sports community? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say on any given night when we're playing cornhole, um, I would say it's probably about a two-thirds, one-third split, two-thirds LGBTQ, one-thirds just other folks coming in to get a beer or watch a game. Um, it's varied over the course of the years. I think we had one time where, you know, the bar was packed because everyone was there watching the Caps game, you know, because the Caps were in the playoffs or the Nats games. You know, sometimes when there are sports games on, you'll get a bigger crowd because folks want to come out, watch the bar and watch the games. Um, but I would say on, on, on average, on a given night, it's going to be skewed much more towards, you know, the LGBTQ community versus the, versus the, the, the rest of the DC scene. Maybe even just a plug for Midlands, like sure. what is the vibe like there with all these, are, have you guys had good experiences with the crowds at Midland who aren't there to play cornhole? Yeah, actually, I think I think for the most part, you know, the crowd there has been great. You know, it's been a very accepting crowd. I think Midlands does a great job of just making sure everyone feels, you know, safe and and secure. And and they do a great job with bringing in really good beer selections too. The food is good. I mean, it's a really great place to uh, walk over on like a fall Wednesday night and throw some bags around. <laughs> cool. Can you share uh, any personal experiences or anything about how Rogue Cornhole has made an impact in your life? Yeah, I would say, you know, before Rogue Cornhole, I pretty, pretty exclusively played in the DC Gay Flag Football League. And I think the best thing about Cornhole for me is that it exposed me, and there are some flag football players who play in the football league, but it really exposed me to another group of guys because you get folks coming in from kickball, you get folks coming in from bocce, you get folks coming in from darts, you get folks coming from other sports leagues. You know, because they all have a shared interest in playing cornhole and I it's just a lot of guys that I had never really met before and so it was really really nice to be able to kind of broaden my social circle and social horizons and and cornhole was able was able to do that it was nice to have that common theme to help you know to bond over um you know while you're while you're making new friends great well that sounds fantastic it actually sounds like a lot of fun um I feel like I might Maybe Gabe and I should go out and play a season of cornhole. I don't know if I'm any good at this nonsense. I have no depth perception, but I, it sounds like something that uh, has a pretty low barrier to entry, and we might be able to come check it out. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and tell us about cornhole and about Rogue. Before we let you go, can you give us some information about um, your website, your social media presence? Where can people go to find more information about Rogue? Sure, I'm happy to do that. So we do have a page on Facebook, um, and we uh, so we do have a, a that, that's going to be the main spot to find uh, information on our league. Uh, we do also have a uh, website rlsports.com/rlsports.org/cornhole. So if you go to either that site or you go to the Facebook page, um, either of those are going to provide you with the most updated information on the league. Great. And you are you in the middle of a season right now? Yes, we are. We're about halfway through our fall season. So when will be the next time that um, there's an open registration for folks? Probably around uh, the late January to mid-February timeframe. All right. Well, thanks again, Sam. This has been fun, and I hope we get to talk again. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on the show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. 
You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.